0: to Matthew twenty-three. So Matthew Matthew twenty-three. I'm going to start in verse thirty-five and I read into the first couple of verses of chapter twenty-four here. So Matthew 23, verse 37, says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your host is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And I'm going to... Oh, I'll read verse 3. And as he sat upon the mountain of Olives... The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world. Let's pray. Lord, as we're looking at these verses, um, this final question of the end of the world, Lord, and that is often on our minds. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would guide us as we look at these passages, help me as I'm speaking and presenting this that um, what I say would be clear and, and understood, Lord, and, and that we would be helped by this. And we ask your blessing on our time, in Jesus' name, amen. As we're looking at that last couple of verses in chapter 23, verse 39 in particular says, For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth. Till ye shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. He's telling them, this is the end. This is the last chance you're going to have to talk with me. So, if you've paid attention to what's been going on the last couple of chapters, even in chapter 22, all of chapter 23, has been this conversation with the scribes and the Pharisees and then there's a crowd of this multitude and there's a conversation between all of these people and Jesus is trying to get his point across to all of them. And now we're in this moment. He gave this final warning, behold, your host is left unto you desolate. And he says, you're not going to see me again. This is your last chance. Can you imagine? This is the last opportunity these people are going to have to have Jesus teach them directly. (laughs) To hear the words spoken directly out of his mouth. And they're just throwing this away. (laughs) What What an opportunity that's being wasted. And Jesus knows that that is that final moment. If, we're, if we look a little bit further here, we can see, like, it, it doesn't feel like we're, you know, okay, we're close to the end of the chapter, but, like, you turn the pages, if you've got a red-letter edition of the Bible, you start to see that after the next verse here, after halfway through verse 4, there is nothing but Jesus talking for all of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25. This is just one, this is his answer to this question by the disciples. These next two chapters is just his answer. And then in chapter 26, we get into the Last Supper and his betrayal and arrest and his crucifixion. Two days is all that's left before Jesus is crucified. Two days at this moment. There's an urgency. To hear that message and to receive that message. How many people that we talk to, we don't know when somebody's got two days left, right? We don't know if this is the last opportunity that we're going to have to talk to them, to, for them to hear the words of Christ coming out of our mouths. We need to think about that sometimes, that that last moment is sometimes, for one of us, it might be as we walk out the door today. We don't know what's out there. We don't know if we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. Right? How many times, how many family members have we lost suddenly and wished we could have just had that one more opportunity, right? We need to consider that, and for someone who needs to hear that message or has heard that message before and has turned it down thinking I remember as a kid thinking you know what I want to live my life how I want to live my life and I believed the gospel but I said I'll accept Christ as my savior on my deathbed (laughs) I remember as a small kid having that thought that I don't want to have to submit to, to this God. I want to live how I want to live. I'll do that later. But you don't know if you have a later to do that. We need to, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today, right here and right now. If you're not saved, you need to be. You don't know that you have tomorrow to do that. You don't know if the person that you're talking to has tomorrow to do that. There should be an urgency. And as we're looking toward the end of the world, if we think the end of the world is coming, there should be an urgency in us. Like if it's any day now, what should that do? That should put an urgency in us to, to tell people about what it is that we believe. And I don't want to convert you to a religion. Religions have their place, I guess. Religion can help people with worldly problems. And in that sense, most religions are basically the same. right? If you're suffering from some kind of addiction, religion can help you. Can go into a 12-step program. <laughs> if you have depression, religion can help you. It can make you feel better. If you have self-esteem issues, religion can help. You go to a Joel Osteen service. There's religion can help you feel good about yourself. If you have anger problems, religions can help you deal with anger issues. It can help with lots of life issues. But there's one thing that religion can't help with. And it's a problem that we all have is that there's an end to this life. There's death at the end. And there's a judgment at that moment. And religion can't help us there. We need a savior. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it also says that the wages of sin is death. We need a solution to that problem. And that's a, that's a problem that religion, no religion, can solve, but only salvation. We need a savior, and that's Christ. God requires, God requires blood. It's not a popular answer, is it, but, but God requires blood, and it's the, the blood sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That pays for our sin and gives us that Savior. We look at this passage. Verse 39 says, Till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We're looking at that's the second coming. The second coming of Christ. That day is coming. And that was the last. Word to this group and this says Jesus the very next thing Jesus went out and departed from the temple and the disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus says unto them see ye not all these things verily I say unto you there shall not be left here one stone on another that shall not be thrown down and we'll get to that in a little bit again but the next verse He sits down on the Mount of Olives with his disciples they've separated from the crowds and the Pharisees and and all these religious people and he's just got his small group the twelve that stay with him and they sit down together and they ask a couple of questions it says the disciples came to him in verse 3 privately, saying, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? There's really two questions. So look, this phrase has three questions, but there's two basic questions here. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? The sign of his coming and the end of the world, they're kind of one question. It's the same same basic thing. So when and, and what are we looking for? <laughs> they didn't understand yet and you know it's interesting when we, we we're still asking those questions <laughs> right we're still thinking about those exact questions we're trying to come up with the answers to those questions and the fact that Jesus takes these next two chapters, like this is four pages of my Bible of, of him talking, and it's still not absolutely clear to us <laughs> what those answers are. It's interesting. We, we need to, there's a lot of scripture that we need to go through to even understand some of what Jesus is even talking about in these passages and thankfully we have a a whole bunch more scripture to turn to and we're gonna we're gonna do some of that but you know as we look at these events and some of these descriptions and we look around the world we start to wonder this question people that don't know their bible don't know anything about the bible are asking this question about the end of the world you hear it in the media constantly. They're, they're concerned about the end of the world, whether it's climate change or nuclear war or, or whatever is going to happen. They're talking about extinction-level events all over the place. We're hearing of wars, rumors of wars. We've got... What do we have going on in the world? I can't even keep track anymore. We have Russia and Ukraine and that's not the limit of, of that, but there's this nuclear power plant in Ukraine, and they're, it's, it's being fired at. Like, this thing's a, a disaster waiting to happen, and we're worried about that. We have China and Taiwan, and then the U.S. poking the dragon just to see if they can get a, a rise out of it. What are you gonna do, right? And so Pelosi goes and visits Taiwan and, and China starts doing all this military activity right offshore, firing missiles overhead. And we're worried <laughs> about what might come of that. Iran is, we don't, but they claim they're, they're, they're this far from developing a nuclear weapon whether they have it already or whether they're further away, we don't know. But boy, is Israel upset, aren't they? <laughs> and, and that's not even the extent to that. We have Syria and we have Palestine and we've got all this stuff going on. All these wars and rumors of wars, these threats of war, and all this military buildup around all these things, and it makes us wonder. We can look at, go back to Ezekiel. It's like, there's that Gog and Magog. Is this, is this setting up to fulfill that? We, we ask these questions and we, we wonder, are we there yet? Is that day approaching? Are we ready? Maybe that's a better question. Are we ready for that day to come? And that's not even the extent of it. There's, when we read these next passages and Jesus is looking at these things and we see not just the wars and the things that people are doing, but we see there's famines and there's droughts and there's, you know, you look around the world right now. I don't know how we landed in the middle of a a decent growing season summer, (laughs) but we've had the best growing season I've, I've seen in years. Um, God has watered our garden. We, we're milking a cow and making cheese, and someone told us that using the whey and diluting it down makes fantastic fertilizer. Well, I've dumped more of it down the drain than I've done into the garden because the garden is so saturated with rain that I can't pour anything else in there. What a terrible problem to have, a well-watered garden. Stuff is growing, and we're, we're harvesting stuff out of our gardens now it's fantastic but that's not the story around the world the story around the world is that you know Europe is having the hottest heat wave they've ever had they're complaining our houses aren't built for this and nobody has air conditioning because we don't have this kind of weather here France is on fire the States you look at some of their reserves of water are like at the lowest levels they've ever been but you know I turned my computer on yesterday to, to look something up and you get all these ad um, articles there, news articles and whatnot. And I had to click on the one. It's the, disaster, the worst disaster the world has ever seen is being predicted for California. Well, where's California su- suffering? It's from droughts right now, right? Droughts and wildfires and that's been the story of California. Says so that's not what this prediction is. The prediction is that they're gonna be buried in months worth of continuous rain, feet, like hundreds of inches of rain is what's being predicted for California. So if it's not in flood or in drought, you're just buried in water. (laughs) You know, Kentucky is buried in water. Like everywhere you look, there is a disaster going on in our world. The Bible talks about the sun and the moon and the stars and how many times have we I don't know what a close call is with a, a meteor or a comet or something, but but how many times in the last couple of years have we heard of some object in space come hurtling towards Earth that they didn't see until it was almost at Earth and it it barely missed us by a couple million miles. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't sound that close to us, but in in terms of space, apparently it is. But we. I see these guys talking about solar flares. They're, they're thinking of a solar or our entire electrical system, if it hits just right. And there's been some that they think could have done that, but had they been directed toward Earth instead of off some other direction, that could happen. So we look around and we ask the question, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? That is a good question. And it's a question that is right to ask. And we can study the Bible and, and we can get some kind of answers and figure out what some of this stuff looks like. And, and James 4, verse 13, kind of sums up what this, the, our, our understanding ought to be. Of our life in this world. Anyway, I had it printed, but James chapter four. Verse thirteen says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow? We will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor, that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil." Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. But the point in here is just, we make plans for life, what we're doing next year or five years. How many times have we been asked, what's your five-year plan? I don't have a five-year plan. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, never mind five years from now. But But his point, God's point, is that Your five-year plan means nothing because you don't know if you've got tomorrow. Think of, worry about what you're doing, what your life means. Are you doing something meaningful in your life today? That's what all of this concern over the end of the world should point us toward is that it's short. Our time is short and we need to treat life like it's short. And Where's where are the where are the keys here? Is like we need to make sure that we're giving people the gospel, telling people about Jesus and the salvation that He offers. We need to make sure that I I can't think of where the verse is, but it talks about this this same thing as it should drive us to holiness. If we're considering Christ is coming. Do I want to be buried in some kind of sin? Doing, living a life that does not glorify God in any way whatsoever at that moment? That would be, what a disaster that would be. <laughs> we need to think about these things. which way my pages go. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) This topic of the end of the world, at the best, it's a difficult topic. (laughs) The Bible isn't... I, I remember, I've complained. I don't know if complain is the right word. I've commented in the past. You go through the Bible, and... Okay, try to show somebody salvation. It's tough to just go, can we just turn to one passage? Yeah, we can. (laughs) But it's hard to just turn to one page of the Bible and say, here's how to be saved. You've got to work at that a little bit. You need to, to do a little bit of reading and you need to understand a little bit about God. Salvation doesn't come instantly. We talked about, you know, when missionaries go overseas. Sometimes it can take them a a year before they even really present the full gospel message because they're trying to get people to, to comprehend who this God is that we're even talking about. You need to understand that you're a sinner before God before you can understand the salvation is offered through Christ dying on the cross for our sin, right? there's some things to understand it's simple but it's not simple like there's some some depth to this stuff and it's god intentionally makes us work for some of these things makes us study and dig a little bit to try to understand it and so he does this and his word is it's there but it's something that you have to work for and when it comes to this end of the world business, you know, in in a crowd, we're, we have a small crowd at Bible study, and we basically agree on what our end times beliefs are, and yet as we discuss specifics, man, we don't always agree. <laughs> what about this? What about, well, I don't think I think you know. And here we are where this discussion is like we're all over the place sometimes on, on some of the details. Because it's stuff you have to work for. And as the scripture says, these things are, are spiritually discerned. And it's, the Bible talks about here a little and there a little line up upon line, precept upon precept. We need to, to study these things and we, we start to develop and build this foundation. And so, how do I go into Matthew 24 and through it I don't know how I can I know it would be it would really be nice to do that and and just bypass a bunch of this stuff and not have to deal with it and not have to step on anybody's toes of what they believe but well I believe it in a certain way I understand scripture in a certain way so I'm going to teach it and preach it in that way and so as we get going um, if you don't agree well that's okay (laughs) Um, this is just my understanding as I as I'm looking at these things, this is my best understanding of how to put scripture together with scripture and have it all make sense in the end. Um, I've, I have looked at other opinions, I've tried to, tried to understand other points of view and the further I go, the more convinced I am of the one that I've be teaching, so anyway. I don't know how far to go today. <laughs> um, we get into, you know, it's interesting. You see in, in chapter 24, we get into verse 2. And they're at the temple. Apparently, this whole conversation that just took place, all this stuff that we've been talking about in the last while, took place at the temple. And they step out into the courtyard or wherever, and the disciples are looking back at this building. And we, we know... When this was built, we've seen the description back in Ezra and Nehemiah, that, that area of when they were building this thing. And, and you see the, the response of the people who were alive when the original temple was there. And it says they wept when they saw this one built. And I can never quite get in my head whether this is tears of joy or, or sorrow. And maybe it's a combination of both, of the loss that they experienced in having that original temple destroyed. But what a glory to have it rebuilt again. And so this temple, and it's substantial, it took some time to build, ne- uh, years. And so they're just, uh, that's funny, like this isn't the first time Jesus has been at this place with his disciples. I don't know why they're talking like this at this point. But they turn, they look at the stuff. And... It says, the disciples came to him in chapter 24, verse 1, to show him the buildings of the temple. It was like, Jesus just doesn't pay attention to this stuff. It's like, he's not even, he's not awed by this thing whatsoever. And I think the disciples are picking up on this, that why doesn't Jesus pay more attention to this stuff? Like, this is incredible Workmanship. And so they're like, look at this thing, Jesus. He's like, yeah, and all of it's going to be destroyed. (laughs) That's his answer. It's just all, it's all going to come down. We need to realize that sometimes. The end of the world, um, I don't even know where the, is it James 5 that talks about being burned? With fervent heat. Peter's Peter, Yeah, 2nd Peter. Sorry. 2nd Peter chapter 3. Yeah. That's where it is. 2nd Peter 3. I'm sure I have this written down somewhere. But when we get into 2nd Peter 3. He's. Showing the conclusion of the whole thing. Chapter, or chapter 3 verse 10 says. of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. (laughs) All of of our fords are going to be gone. (laughs) All those problems that we have in this life are tractor problems. (laughs) Several of us have had tractor problems. I've had problems with the Ford. You know, our house decaying, all the repairs that we are constantly doing, all these magnificent structures that people build. We look at... I can't imagine how we've come up with building a 50-story building. Like, that thing ought to fall over, shouldn't it? (laughs) And yet, somehow, people have managed to do these things. And we spend some of us more effort than others, but we spend time and effort. I've been in the mechanic business for a while, and we had a lot of, my father-in-law was into antiques, and the time and money and effort that a guy will put in to restoring some old piece of junk, hunk of metal, the love and care and the countless hours that goes into those things, and the money that gets poured into the restoration of, you name whatever your, your vehicle is, and the very day you drive that onto the street, you might be hit by a bus. <laughs> the whole thing may be destroyed in an instant. And it happens on a regular basis. And people are so distraught over this stuff Like, we need to have a little bit more of a temporary hold in this world. (laughs) The stuff that we have in this, where are we putting our effort? I'm putting a lot of effort into this yard for this couple. Um, It's a lot of work. But in the end, someday that whole hillside is gonna wash down into the creek, it's all gonna be gone regardless of how much work i put into it that house, that car whatever that boat i don't know what your what your thing is you're, you're knitting that nice that you know we pull our rabbit out and it's shredding this nice crocheted blanket in our in our house it's its favorite thing and we just gave up on the whole idea that you can stop the rabbit from eating the thing, right? Dogs, I, remember, I painted my truck. I did all the body work, painted the whole thing. Didn't realize that parking next to my, where my dog was tied up was a bad idea because our dog got really excited every time we pulled in the yard. Well, by the time we came around the corner to where the dog was, it's at the end of its chain looking at us, right? Well, then did I know for the first while that while I'm coming up the road and it can hear my vehicle, it spent that entire time clawing the side of my truck. <laughs> this is like brand new painted truck and the, the one passenger door was just destroyed by this dog. And oh my, <laughs> but that's, we put so much focus on the things of this world and the, why is our effort in it? People wonder why my truck is a rotten piece of junk I don't care about the stuff. I don't care what it does. it work? Yeah, it works. It hauls a load of rock, no problem. That's all I really care. And yeah, I do have to fix it because it will fall apart, but I don't care what it looks like. <laughs> when I painted my car, there's dust in it, and there's still dust in it because I don't care. <laughs> because I've, <laughs> I've got my head around somewhat that the stuff of this world doesn't matter. There's more important things in the world than my stuff. My relationship with my family and my friends and my neighbors is far more important than what my car looks like and whether there's siding all the way around my house or whether there's baseboards. I'll stop. (laughs) There's things undone in my life because those things to me aren't important. I have more important things, right? And my wife is great at, at multitasking. I'm not. If I'm listening to someone preach, I'm either listening to them preach or I'm doing something else. If they're both happening at the same time, only one of those is getting my attention. And it, for me, I need to sit down and listen to the preaching. That's the only way I'm going to get the content of what's there, and that's to me, that's more important than whatever that other task is. And so I'm sorry if I'm working on your thing, and it takes me three weeks longer than you thought it should have, that's the reason. <laughs> it's because I think there's more things that are more important than the, than the stuff. And I need to spend my time trying to grow spiritually because I see that the days are short and I don't know how much more time we have, right? This is where we ought to be spending our time. So instead of getting into something this morning, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> we need to get our attention, our focus in the right spots. Yeah, I'm going to get into some details of, of end times doctrinal things, and I don't know, some of you aren't going to agree with, with what I say, but that's okay. Don't let that be divisive. Let that be a, a point of, let's look deeper at the word and, we don't have to come to the same conclusion all the time, but it should drive us into there. That should be the whole point, is to drive us into God's word, to learn more, to draw closer to him, and to get our attention in the right places. Let's pray. Lord, I'm glad that your word is difficult at times, that we have to work at it, study, and and build on a on a foundation and, and start at the beginning and build up from there. Because it does, it does take effort, but it focuses us on you and, and on the more important things in life. So Lord, help us to, to do that, to put aside some of the things that are less important. Not that we should be neglectful, but, but Lord, to put our attention on the things above, not on things on earth. Help us help to, to understand the important things. Help us to grow in our walk with you, Lord, we pray in Christ's name.